What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 53 of the Optimal Physique Development Podcast with me, Joe Jeffrey, and my co-host, Mr. Austin Stout. Um, we were meant to have Josh Bridgman on tonight, but Josh has had a bit of car trouble. I think he's stuck on like motorway somewhere, so I told him to to chill out, keep that PNS activated, and uh, <laughs> don't spoil to try and get on the podcast so we're going to rearrange that one anyway so um so basically me and austin don't have a topic here to discuss but we're going to do one of our classic bullshit episodes which actually guys according to the analytics you like more than any of the other episodes they get more plays and more interaction which i always find bizarre but um extremely unprofessionally i'm also sat here eating a post-workout meal i've just trained legs so if you hear any like crunching of cereal i apologize ahead of time um, so I was just kind of sat here whilst I was waiting for Austin to to join me and um, had, um, well, I was kind of thinking, what can we talk about? What's going on? And something happened today that I think would be cool to talk about. Um, the general uh, gist of it being um, having realistic expectations of your progression when working with a coach. So... I'll explain the kind of context with this. I had a client that signed up with me exactly a month ago today. Um, he came to me very, um, well, he's got a very poor body composition. He's got a very high body fat, quite a low level of muscle mass. Um, previously used anabolics in the past. Since then has completely ceased use and had no blood work done. Um, so basically my initial plan of attack was to, Oh, and he was also coming to me on no diet plan and not training. So we're essentially working off no level of biofeedback or data at all. So anything at that point, realistically, Austin, you probably agree, is like a best guess um, until we kind of get into things. So we got him on a diet plan. Um, and then my first point of call was to get some blood work done, see where his hormones are sitting. Obviously, as a previous AS user, because he, he was saying he feels tired, etc. Also, this client's telling me that he only sleeps four to five hours per night. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm saying, so initial plan of attack was to get blood work done, get healthy, get lifestyle sorted, get sleep sorted, start monitoring these variables. And then once we've laid the foundation, start building on there because his but he was saying things like, you know, I want to do this big transformation. I want to drop all this fat. And he's commenting on pictures of other of my, some of my other clients say, this is what I want to look like. And But, you know, these are like contest prep clients I've been working with for years. Um, and the, the goals weren't realistic from the outset. So a couple of weeks and I don't hear from him. So I message him. Is everything cool, man? He says, well, I'm not really getting the sort of physique progress that I think I should be. And I say, well, you know, you're going to have to put this into the context of your position that you're in a very bad position. You haven't got that blood work for me yet. And you're still not sleeping properly. You, you haven't been doing basic stuff that I've been telling you to do, like wearing your blue light blockers or using your KSM 66 or, you know, stopping working at this time, putting the phone out this time or whatever it may be. You know, you're not doing those basic things. And he's saying... Oh, yeah, but, you know, but in the past, I've made better physique progress faster or whatever. But, you know, ultimately, you probably can take gear and make some physique progress in bad conditions. But long term, you're going to suffer for it. Um, and came to his renewal today and he said, I'm not interested in carrying on because you're not getting me where I want to be. Um, so 
to me, this is a case of a completely unrealistic expectation of coaching and a high level of impatience and lack of focus on what I'd call like the big rocks, like sleep, lifestyle, diet, basic progressive training, getting those in line before attacking a physique goal um, and the benefits thereof. Long term, so this is very short-sighted. So, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, Austin, like, do you ever encounter situations where people have very unrealistic expectations of what you can do for them? And do you bend to what they want at all? Or, or do you say, no, this is the way it's going to have to be because I'm more concerned with your health? Um, yeah. Things like that. Well, only, I mean, nine times out of ten, it's going to be a similar situation to what you had. It's just most of the time the realistic expectations are because they're in such a poor state to start with and they may not, and they may not even realize it. You know, they may not understand quite why their body's not responding. They think maybe it's just, uh, maybe it's just that whatever they're doing is not working or whatever their previous coach was doing is not working. When in reality, it's just because they have, you know, their health markers are off. They have their insulin sensitivities poor or they have too much body fat or they're, you know, sympathetically driven all the time, you know, whatever, all these things um, play into it. And then when they, they start and then they realize, oh, wow, you know, it's going to take us, you know, a month, two months, three months, even maybe just to fix everything before, you know, before things start to even progress. And that's when they think, you know, that's when they get impatient. Um, but here's the thing is, I mean, you can only force things for so long. Like you can, if somebody's newer at this and they, or they have had a long layoff or something like that. I mean, you can, you can do things wrong and force it, you know, just give them more, you know, give them more gear or whatever. And it's going to work to an extent. And and guess what? They can, they're going to go out there and they're going to be able to hire someone that'll do that. and doesn't care, but they're going to end up in a worse position than they already are in eventually. You know what I mean? It's all going to circle back. Um, to where they were and contest prep is a great example. I mean, people doing, you know, the whole metabolic side of things and, and not recovering correctly and they can get away with it a couple times, but it's going to come back to them eventually. So, um, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean all the time. Yeah. I get those situations a lot. And even if I lay it out real logically in front of them in terms of what needs to be done and why, I think it's just, I think you get more of an emotional response from people because they're discouraged and they're not willing to be patient and do things correctly when in the long run, that's what they're going to have to do. Um, I've had, I mean, I've had cases where people have stopped and they went on and maybe work with somebody else or they just didn't work with the coach at all. And then I'll see them, you know, I'll see them on social media or whatever and a year, a year later and they're just a wreck. So yeah it happens yes and and it's hard to convey that message when someone has such a like a firmly held belief like i was saying to this person like believe me whilst you're sleeping four hours per night you're not going to be able to progress your physique in the way that you want to and that's right. that's we can't work around that and you know it's this crazy it, it's this reckless stuff like he's He's telling me, I mean, I don't want to rubbish this guy to me. He's a really nice guy with great intentions, but I just think his head's in the clouds a little bit But with this whole thing. And and I was honest, and I, and I do did say that, that, you know, when he 
when he said, no, I don't want to continue with coaching, I said, you know, but that's cool, man. No, no hard feelings at all. But, but please get healthy before you press on with these goals because he's telling me I've bought all this Primo and stuff. And then, he, and then I said, well, you need to get this blood work panel first that I've sent you because I can't afford it. So what? You know, <laughs> well, yeah. but you could afford all that Primo. Right. Yeah. That's a priority thing. It's like they, it, it is, it, it, it just boils down to priorities. Really. It's like anything else. I mean, I understand people have budgets are going to be totally different and I'm, and I'm sure you're the same as me when I'm, I'm, I'm understanding of that. I'm not going to tell someone that they have to have, you know, like the thousand uh, dollar grocery bill every month and buying certain things and doing and supplementation wise, if they don't have the money, but at the same time, like you can't, you can't be wanting to put a bunch of exogenous hormones in your body and not even get blood work. That's ridiculous. Some people, people do it all the time because they don't want to pay for it or they just don't want to see it. <laughs> I mean, there's that too, well, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, yeah. The priorities are, well, and the thing is it all boils down to people just being way too short sighted. You know, they just, they're too short sighted. They can't see past, what they're feeling and thinking right at that moment. They can't see. And if they can see past it, it's not very far. You know, it's not, it's not more than a month or whatever. Um, when really, yeah, it's just, yeah, it takes time. I think if you look at it in a perspective of, okay, I'm going to have to take a step back here, realign my goals, forget about physique progress right now. I need to get my health perfect and whatnot. Over like the next decade span of your life in bodybuilding, your physique progress is going to follow and be better because you are ultimately going to have less downtime. Um, good example of this is another client that I know listens to this. And um, so he was using anabolics, not anything too crazy for a long time before he came to me. And we've had some blood work done and it's really not good. And Yep. We've had to take a big step back and now he's been off everything for something like 14 weeks and it's still going to take a bit of while to get the blood work back where it should be and all the health markers where they should be. But if, like I was talking to him about this um, yesterday, if, if he'd have been monitoring that through his whole drug use career and controlling it in between blasts and getting everything back online, it wouldn't be... Right. It wouldn't be, you know, 20 weeks off now. And then plus holding those markers there for a little while because it's not about just getting them good and then blasting again, you know, that, what's the point of that? But, um, you know, it it might be the case that they, they never now go out or they only go out for a couple of weeks and your cruises could be relatively shorter or, or maybe your cruises could include a little bit of a, a higher dose maybe or something if your blood work and health markers all stay good and you could push a bit harder in, in your, in your gaining phases or, or fat loss phase or whatever. But, you know, ultimately you, you pay the, the price, you know, the thing is with, with these drugs is that you do ultimately owe back what they give you in a sense, you know? Yeah. It's the old, the old adage. You sometimes you have to take a step back to take two steps forward type of mm -hmm. thing. You know, it's like when a lot of people are just taking, one step forward and then a step back and a step forward and a step back over and over. And eventually they'll just start going backwards all the time. Uh, it's yeah. And of course there's like a, there's a large genetic component too. Like some people are going to get away with it a lot longer. And I, and that's another thing 
you know, with, with social media and people being able to communicate so easily is they might talk to somebody that they might, well, they might even talk to somebody that you work with or that I work with. Like my, one of my clients may talk to another one of my clients that's getting, you know, certain result and they're upset at me why they're not getting that same result when the context is entirely different. Yeah. So and, yeah, and it's just exactly what I was about yeah. to say. I think before you work with a coach, you need to make sure that like, so for anybody listening that, that is working with a coach or signing or thinking to sign up with a coach in the future, like make sure that you keep your perspective within your own context. Because I mean, I'm sure you see it all the time on consultations. Yeah. I've got in touch because I, I saw your client X and what they did in 12 weeks. And you know, I want to do the same. Uh, yeah, but you're not them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're not them and your situation's different and you are in a terrible place. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, there's just so much, there's so much context. I mean, you get the occasional person and this is kind of like a coach's dream. I get, I'll get someone that's, they've just completed a, you know, a, a mini cut phase. They want to grow. They're nice and sensitive. They've been off all, you know, all but maybe like a TRT dose. They're just ready to go. Blood works fresh. Everything's good. And they're like, Hey, I want to do a productive growth phase. Well, they've done their homework. You know, they've, they've clearly know what, what it takes to progress in that regard. And that's, and it's not to say that a coach isn't going to help you fix your issues because that's part of what we do as well. But yeah, you gotta you gotta walk before you can run. It's not gonna. Yeah, it's. I, I like I said though, I feel like a lot of people they probably they get it, and even and when you explain it to them, I think half the time people get what you're saying. They just don't want to accept that. It. It's like I said, it's more of an emotional response. They just don't want to accept the fact that they're gonna have to do, go through these steps and. They're just going to let their emotions take over and they're just going to either go find someone else that can do it or try to do it on their own and then end up worse eventually. Yeah, I find that with people that like will inquire about like, yeah, I want to do this and this and this and this. They'll also have inquired with 10 other people and they're waiting for somebody to just sort of justify their position. Yeah. yeah. Once somebody says, yeah, that's a good idea then, cool, I can do that then. You know, but yeah, it's a it's like a preconceived notion or bias or what you know whatever they have they want they want something that's going to reiterate what they already thought and confirmation bias and I think that, right that's human nature right I mean it's it it's and everyone does it to an extent I think everyone's guilty of that to some extent right because we gravitate we don't naturally gravitate towards things that are completely opposite of what we already think. We might, we might gravitate towards something that's slightly different, but not completely opposite. Normally the only time we're going to gravitate towards something that's opposite is if something happens to us that forces us to like, we have, we did something in our physique progression, you know, that, went terribly wrong and then we have to change our ideas but if things haven't gone wrong yet we're probably not going to change the way we think right well i mean why that's just that's just how people are 
naturally. So it's important to just try to keep a, you know, keep an open mind because what's, we don't have, you know, like we aren't going to have as much a bias. I mean, of course we have certain ways that we do certain things, but as a whole, we're treating each person as an individual. It's not, they're not going to be the same. So yeah, I mean, it's the whole, and the health thing is bad when it comes to, especially like enhanced, um, bodybuilders because they, they, there's a lot of people that they just don't want to accept the fact that the things that they're doing could potentially have downsides. They, they want to look around at somebody that doesn't have any downsides or that, or that manipulates something a certain way that makes it sound okay. Right. They just want to make it, they want to justify it. So yeah, that's just how, that's just how people are. There's because they don't want to accept the fact that something could potentially have downsides. Yeah, for sure. So this episode is kind of moving towards like a how to be a good client topic, which I think is pretty cool because I don't think we ever covered it. Um, I mean, you hear a lot of talk about, in fact, didn't you and Marty do an episode on that? Yeah, we did. We did one on how to be a good client, like uh, in terms of checking in and just things that, good communication and all that stuff it was actually a really popular episode okay so. so aside from from that stuff how about why don't you tell me what you think the traits of your best clients are your clients that make the most progress that they could as an individual what are some common traits that you see amongst them um well i mean obviously execution that's the biggest one that's going to be number one you got to have that to the highest extent, hopefully. But um, the other two things I would think, and this is where the balance comes in, is obviously like checking in, being diligent about all that stuff. That's all important. But the other two things would be providing enough feedback, but not overcomplicating things. That's And that's a hard, it's a hard thing to do because typically I see a lot of people fall on one side or the other. Like they, they will check in and they just aren't, they're just not good at providing feedback. Even if you have a template for them to do so, they just don't, they're not good at it. They don't, their check-ins are very bland. They don't have, which sometimes check-ins are bland, you know, that's fine, but they, but when there's something wrong, they don't report it, that type of thing until something comes to a head and you have to fix it later that could have been prevented. And then you have the other type. Now that we have so much information at our fingertips, we have the other type that's a hypochondriac that has like, that's a Google doctor, you know, and that has every single week there's something else and, or they, they bounce around from thing to thing too much, or they're just overly, they're overly, analyzing things and never giving anything a chance to really work. Um, I see that a lot with, I see that all with training. It's just, there's so much information on training. There's different people that have different ideas and people look and people research, even if they have a coach, they look around and they research, but every single week they might be like, well, why don't we try this? And why don't we try this? Or why don't we do this? It's like, man, the probably best trait is listen to your coach, right? I mean, you're going to have the best results if you listen to, most likely, if you listen to one person for an extended period of time. Yeah, I agree with you there. Definitely a good point on communication. Because when I, 
when I think about check-ins, it's not necessarily like the length, but more so the content that that really makes them for me. Like, yeah, some check-ins will have, let's say, my average check-in is eight paragraphs of explanations or something, right? Some will be eight paragraphs of nonsense that I don't need, that, right. that are irrelevant, and some will be eight paragraphs of really concise information that I can work with, that is solid feedback that's relevant, and I can work with work with it, you know? But then some is just like blabber, so I'll have to sort of copy it to a Word document, take out the pieces that are actually relevant. When you break it down, it's like there's actually a lot here. <laughs> yeah i don't know like depending on if i have someone that does that chronically week to week i'm like and i, I say it in the nicest way possible because i don't want it to make it sound like i'm not i'm being lazy on my end it's just like man i i can't sort through your your life story to find three pieces of information that could have been bullet pointed you know yeah and it's like you'll see like an explanation of what they did every day, but it's not, you don't need to know that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, It's just relevant, keeping relevant information. That's, and that's one of the things we talked about in that other episode is just trying to be keeping updates relevant because you're going to be more productive that way. It's, it's less, it's less stressful. I mean, and there's a good example is I have people that are longtime clients that have, I would say that their updates may even get shorter over time because they know what is relevant and what is, what isn't. And they agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. In my case, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and their, their updating skills or their, their ability to read biofeedback, their skills get better over time as well. Like they figure out, they figure out what, pieces of feedback are most relevant to them because I mean, everyone's going to have different things. Like maybe you have a client that has digestive issues and it's kind of an ongoing thing that you have to, to work on. Well, they might have more feedback based on that. Well, uh, if client a has that, but client B has fantastic digestion and their training, you know, they're working on dialing in their training programming. Why are, you know, client B doesn't need to send me three paragraphs of gibberish about their digestion and eating because it's just not really, it's a non-issue. They can just tell me digestion's still good or, you know, so or whatever. And we need to talk, we know we didn't hone in on what is important to them at that time. Mm. It's like one thing I put on, one thing I put on my client, like my templates for updates and stuff is don't be afraid to put not applicable or NA beside something if you don't have feedback. And because the thing is us as a coach, like personally, if I have, if I'm not getting enough, I can always ask more questions. I can, I can always ask a question if I need to, but like in your, to, you know, go to your example, having to copy and paste something onto a word document and pick through and highlight and delete and bullet point. Like that's, that's insane. Like it gets, it gets tedious and it's, uh, and just from a business perspective, realistically, if somebody has to do that with 50, 75, 100 people, like that's just, there's just not enough time. There's only 24 hours in a day, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, 
and it's going to be a lot better coach client relationship if things are concise and productive. Yeah. Do you know what as well, as the client gets better at updating, I feel like the longer I work with someone, the better I get at reading their specific biofeedback and responses to my check-ins. So like, it's almost like this synergy between me and the client that everything gets a little bit smoother as time goes on. Like, like for example, some clients I'll reply with an email to their check-in because I know I get the best response from them like that. Some check-ins I do a video, uh, just use um, the camera in my laptop, I put it on a private YouTube link and I send them that. Often if I need to break something down, if it's a longer check-in, I'll use the videos. Um, again, just because that's just part of like learning the client and their response over time, I think, um, which is which is cool. I mean, it's no secret why a coach's longest-term clients always look the best. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's a honing – the coach is honing as well. It's not just the client that's – that is, you know, getting better. It's, it's the coach as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I have clients that been with me for so long that we're like, it's just like clockwork and they are fantastic at updates and they're fantastic at providing information. Um, they're very productive week to week. I mean, it's, that's, that's great. I, I enjoy that. I mean, and, and there's, I understand too that it is a process. Like I understand if someone's not worked with a coach or they're working with a new coach, um, it's different because I, what I tend to run into and I'm, you may run into the same thing is if I work with somebody that had worked with someone previously, I notice that I usually require a little bit more feedback than what they were doing before. And that's not to say that that's always the case, but, uh, I think I've learned, like, I'll admit a mistake that, um, some clients, are, new clients, I feel like I ask for too much in terms of data collection. Yeah. Um, like, I'll say I want blood glucose at, at these times. I'd like your resting heart rate at this time. And then, you know, let's look at HRV at this time. And do you have a Fitbit? Because I want to look at your sleep quality. And, 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 that, and it can be too much for, for, like, a client. But I might get a little bit ahead of myself there. But if you're looking for, like, optimal physique progress... I think monitoring those variables and sort of using them somewhat as a guide where applicable, great, but gen pop clients and stuff, you know, I don't need a gen pop client measuring their blood glucose after every meal and stuff. If they just want to drop a bit of fat. So yeah, on the opposite end, I've made a mistake there in the past, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's easy to do because there's so much information out there and there's, we talked about this in the, uh, the episode where we talked about things the novice clients don't need to worry about. Well, there's 9,000 different pieces of biofeedback that you could monitor, but do you need to? So yeah, it's just trying not to overanalyze. That's a hard, that's a hard thing to do. Um, I mean, we're all, we're all guilty of it to an extent, but there's also, like I said, there's a difference between being, analytic and providing good feedback and just typing about your day or something. I, I, I see the diff, I see how it one and you know, they can kind of blur together, but uh, yeah, you can easily just have typed a novel about what you did all week with only 
two things in there that are really relevant. That happens. So, talking so. about tracking variables, going completely off topic here. Have you seen online on social media recently a lot of people like to um, sort of bash tracking these variables? Um, and it's the older, uh, you know. Oh yeah, well, I, I mean, I seen it today. It was like, I bet NASA never m measured his blood glucose once or something. I find it a bit, um, a bit sort of egregious that people just because somebody didn't do something that you couldn't utilize it to possibly progress in a specific situation. You know, um, it, it it's a bit odd to me. Have you noticed that on social media recently? There's a sort of big move towards that. Yeah, it's. It's uh, as more as we learn, I think as we learn more and there's more that we can manipulate variable wise, there's other, there's always the other camp that kind of makes fun of it. Like right here, right in front of me. Hang on. They got a post <laughs> post of Marcus rule. Not a single fuck given about blood glucose readings, gut microbiome or his parasympathetic nervous system. Well, and that's ridiculous. because. <laughs> It says, be more like rule, you little pussies, <laughs> which I know the guy posting it. He's half, he, he's half joking and half serious. Like he's just, he's kind of a jokes like that anyhow. But, but yeah, you'll smoke. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I mean, I'm pretty sure he did his amino acids as well. Wasn't he known for that? Yeah. I mean, potentially like I, this is the thing though. I mean, if you, those, of course, they didn't monitor those things. No one even knew anything about them. We didn't have, we didn't have that type of information available. We didn't have social media. They didn't have half the studies that we have now. They and if they did, they didn't have access to them unless they could go to a library or they had a database at a university or something um, where they could pull them up. So, yeah, it's. I find it ironic that they make fun of people that researched and innovate and try to improve things now i get like i get what they're saying i get the whole being over analytical like i get the fact that some people they start analyzing all these variables before they have the basics now that's a problem that's a you know if they if you have no basics you have no like training training is an example that people use all the time and it's a good example i mean they they have nine thousand different techniques within their training and um, and they have this really elaborate mesocycle and training block, but they, they aren't hardly progressing, you know, through volume or through strength or through anything. They just, it's just way too complicated when they have not exhausted any other, you know, any other basic variable yet. Um, no, it's like I spoke about on the, on the muscle mentors podcast, like it's all about laying the big rocks first, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't take advantage of these things. I mean, like, for example, if you've got a client using insulin, like Jesus Christ, they're going to be monitoring their blood glucose. Or, I mean, what's your other option? Just like keep taking more insulin until you go hyper and then like just keep on that amount. Like, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I find it comical. Like they, it's, it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of a joke, but, um, but, but at the same time, like it's, doing this it, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, in, and, and that's, so, I mean, how many of those guys 
how many of those guys may have been better had they not, you know, had they maybe monitored a little bit more. Um, and that's, there's a whole nother argument there. Like people say, Oh, well the nineties were better and they didn't do all this stuff. So they must, you know, so this must be bullshit. Well, that's like a, that's like court. The correlation there doesn't work. No, that's, that's not. Where'd you draw the line? <laughs> you know, are you gonna yeah. say, don't drive your car anymore and start riding a penny farthing everywhere. You know, just, just, yeah, it's used to do it. It doesn't mean <laughs> you can't take advantage of innovation, you know? Yeah. And there's, I'm not in total disagreement. Like at, at times, like we said, I mean, there are people that they just, they need to focus on certain variables before they get ahead of themselves. But, but as a whole, that whole idea of stick to the basics and do nothing else is kind of ridiculous. I mean, I've, if somebody wants to monitor more um, variables and wants to be more lab with their programming, by all means, let's do it. And let's see what you can do. I mean, because in reality, like this is, this is a hobby for a lot of people or a lifestyle and it's not a, job but it's something if it's something they really enjoy and they want to see how good they can be at it they realize hey they're never going to be mr olympia but they want to go get to the best position possible who's to say that they can't do that i mean that's like look at any other any other uh, sport um or athletics or even anything we'll take I could use use some ridiculous example like uh, a a fisherman that can you know does competitive. I don't even know if that's a thing in England, but they they do like yeah like here in some places they'll have like competitive bass fishing where they you got so you mean to tell me that they're that they're stupid if they try to use a better pole and better tackle and better things like because there's new things that came out that are better. Like that's ridiculous. Mm. Like, you know, no, why would they not? Like, yeah, I mean, why would they not use something that's better? Yeah, yeah, it's just using it properly. I think. I think. I mean, yeah. obviously, it does go the other way. Like, for example, if you haven't laid down your big rocks, like you're sleeping four hours a night, like we were talking about, but you take your blood glucose post prandial after every meal and don't eat unless it's under a certain number. You know, you're an idiot. But. And at the same time, like, if you're looking at your HRV and it's slightly sympathetic dominant, you're like, fuck, I'm not training for a week, you know, then, then you're an idiot. But it's using the tools properly. Yeah. And utilizing them properly. And there's, there's other here's, – and here's a problem that I think people run into. I think this is a great way to kind of segue it. It's that they, they are under the impression now that they can check all these things, that they can control everything. And that's not like I made that post recently about all the environmental stressors causing people to overreach and overtrain. And it's like, you could really translate that into anything. I mean, there's so many like blood glucose is a great example. Well, just because you eat the same exact thing and take the same exact amount of insulin and at the same exact time, doesn't mean you're going to have the same exact blood glucose every day because there are other factors that will cause glucose to release, you know, like hepatic glucose release. Like there's other things. Right. Yeah. And I, I get that. That's a common one I get in feedback. That's, that's a good example. An easy example is 
is blood glucose. I see that in feedback all the time where they have one day in a week or something that their blood glucose spikes up 15 or even 20 points. But there's almost always an underlying variable that is completely outside of the plan that they're not accounting for. And they, they see that and they think they need to change their insulin dose or they need to, they need to, uh, do a mini cut or take their carbs away or some whatever crazy stuff that they want to do. It's like, well, no, you just had a bad day or you're sick and your gut, you know, your digestion's messed up or your blood glucose is going to change. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's just, we can't, we can't just because we can monitor all the variables doesn't mean we can necessarily control everything to the exact minute degree because our body our the feedback loops in our body will ultimately determine that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that ties in well to kind of what we were talking about being a good client is not like not constantly wanting change and not expecting change at the same time and realizing that physique development is far from acute. I think that's the biggest thing which really ties back to what we're talking about and like expectations is like this shit takes so long to don't think that something needs to happen every time you check in. And in fact, it's better if it doesn't because it means what you're currently doing is working. I think I'm kind of going off topic here. I'm just kind of, no, it's the no. I mean <laughs> the post workout nonsense. But um, yeah, I think yeah, like like you're saying now, I think people when they work with a coach, they they get excited about the checking. They want to know how their diet's changed and stuff. But that's really not the coach's job. The coach's job is to coach. And if the best thing going forward is to have no change, then the coach's decision is to not change it's not to satisfy your want for a service you know because that's not ultimately the service that you're paying for i don't think right yeah it's there's a there's a fine line between a coach just kind of being a jerk and being kind of a dictatorship and people just wanting too much or wanting things that aren't necessary like i I have some people that they don't hardly give any input on anything. And then I have other people um, like in terms of what they enjoy or, or whatever, or what they want. And other people, they're like, well, I think we should, they, I get one of, you know, like two to three of these a week. I think we should, and then insert whatever. I'm like, well, okay. And I'm not like, I'll entertain the idea sometimes, right. Depending on what it is, depending on, what the reasoning is, but other times I'm like, no, that's not a good idea. And I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm maybe, you know, depending on what it is, I'll tell you why. And you ultimately as the client, it's like, well, that's what you paid for. So, I mean, if you wanted to just do what you want to do, then why'd you hire somebody else to tell you what to do? Yeah. And that's also like in the, in your ethics as a coach as well, because like, like we could both make more money if we just satisfied what the client wanted. Like in that example I gave you, if I said to him, yeah, man, cool, just take all that primo, he'd be like, yeah, you know, but, and I'd still be <laughs> having his, boobs. but I'm not about to like kill him, you know, 
No, it, it, that's a bit, you know, that's a bit um, dramatic. But, um, you know, I'm not having anybody taking any super physiological amount of hormone before I've seen a full blood panel and I've seen it good for X amount of time and I know their lifestyle is done. The nutrition is done. The training is done. And then we can add the, the icing on the cake, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you can... Is the business. Yeah, it is. It's a... Uh... It, it is. It's an ethical thing and it's a, a coaching thing. And I, I will say too, I've gotten better at this as I have coached more and longer of not being kind of a, of being more firm with things and not going round and round. Like some, I would say at a point I would get really, it would kind of stress me out. I'm like, well, it would kind of stress me out because I would think that the client isn't happy. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and part of the service is you part of the service is a happy client is a, is a going to be a good client. It's going to be a lasting client, but at the same time, you have to draw the line between making someone happy just for the sake of making them happy and actually doing the job. And so sometimes you just have to say, no, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> you know, it's, we're not, we're not going to do it and uh, just move on. It's not, it's not anything against anyone. It's not any hard feelings, but it's a, it needs to be, you have to be a coach at the end of the day. Like it yes. being a coach, that line gets blurred too much. If you're just being a friend and a sounding board and uh, you can, people can kind of walk on that a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there is a, the longer that I do this, the more I realize the line between being a friend and being a I mean, some clients, some clients I know I get the best response from talking to like a friend and treating like a friend. I'm not saying my clients aren't my friends because of course they are. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to do my job the best I can. And I want to be the best coach there is, you know? So if that means being firm with a client that I know is going to have a good response to that, that's exactly what I do. And I've given the, example on this podcast before of my client john because you know i i have to talk to him very firmly sometimes and i think if anybody was to look in on just a single page of the conversation they'd be like bloody hell you know but um i know that that you know because i tested the waters and it gets the best re response from him so you know I, it's my obligation as a coach to get the best response um yeah you're right you know, um, and ultimately, you're not there to, to babysit anyone. You know, it, we're working with adults and they can, you know, take it or leave it at the end of the day. But as long as you know that you're doing your job to the best of your ability, you know, you can still sleep at night, you know? Yeah. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, and it's like, I think it's just, like, back to my point, like, I think it was just natural of somebody that cared about their job and their clients to just kind of feel like, you know, discouraged if their client wasn't happy, but I get, but the more I realized, okay, I'm just doing my job. The less, the less bad I felt about it, <laughs> you know? So, um, but yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I, the thing is like most people take, take the criticism or take the advice pretty well. It doesn't, even if you think you might be a little harsh, like most people are pretty understanding. Like I, 
they're normally like, okay, I understand, you know, whatever we move on. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. And there's a lot of, there's just a lot of, uh, little things that can, that definitely go into being a good client, being a productive client, being a good coach to the client, um, just from a being personable. I think you can definitely be too dull. I mean, I think there's definitely like, I've, I've heard, I've genuinely heard stories and things about coaching feedback and like their updates and stuff. That's very concerning. Like they're just not either they're too busy and they don't, they're too, they're just lazy or they just don't, they're just not personal. Like if you, if you have a horrendous personality and no people skills whatsoever, this, this might not be the best job for you. Yeah. I've seen some funny ones. <laughs> I, think, I, I remember one not, not Ooh. too long ago where somebody was, uh, they said, Oh, you know, my last, I always wonder when people say like, yeah, I had a terrible coaching experience. I kind of think like, Oh, was that the coach or maybe was that you? You know, it sounds bad, but you've got to wonder because I wonder if some of my ex-clients go to other people like, yeah, it was rubbish, you know, or something. <laughs> it's too right. story, but, you know, so I was sort of digging into this and they sent me through, um, they forwarded me some of the email responses that I shouldn't laugh, but I was laughing because they do like, a, it's a, still a client now that I've been working with for about two years, to be fair. So, um, they're, and, and, and they're awesome. Um, but they were working with quite a big name client over here. Uh, and they'd send like a really detailed check-in, um, but really, really precise check-in. And the response was just like macros. It just said like 300p slash 250c slash 40f. And that was it. <laughs> it wasn't even like any like explanation. It was just like, I mean, I suppose what it was saying was, you know, Hey, cool. You know, thank you for the feedback. This is, these are your macros for the following week or something, which is lazy as hell anyway. But, um, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. It was just like, not even, not even the, the, uh, the small talk. It was just, just the macros <laughs> once a week. Imagine paying something for that. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. Like even if, even if I don't have, even if there's nothing at all, to talk about and there's no change in a week, I at least send a few lines of feedback. Hey, this looks good. Glad this is going well. Everything looks good. I like where you're at. We should see blah, blah. Like I'll, I'll at least like talk about moving forward into the next week or two. Um, because you, I, I think it's good to have some explanation of what they're doing and why it makes people feel better, I think. So yeah, that whole idea, like if, if I got an email back like that and I was a client, I'd be like, okay, thanks. Um, you, it makes you wonder, uh, <laughs> it definitely would make you wonder if, if, uh, there's anything else that you should know. I mean, I would certainly send them a reply and just ask him, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you always put a Lisa in there. Like you said, it, even if you're not changing anything, you just say like, Hey, yeah, all looks great. Thanks for the thorough check-in. The feedback was awesome. And, you know, you're going to leave everything as it is for now since everything's working so well. But hit me up on WhatsApp in the meantime if if you need anything. And, you know, stuff like you, you'd at least yeah. talk to Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, like I said, though, like I said, though, I mean, I think you're not, you aren't paying someone to hold your hand. But at the same time, I think just like in any business, that requires customer service. 
it, anytime you're working one-on-one with somebody, I think it's important to have some degree of customer service and be personable uh, because it's just going to keep things more positive and uh, upbeat as, as time goes on. And, uh, and those little things, those little things I feel probably make a difference too. It's, it's not necessarily our job to motivate people and, and all that, but at the same time, it's, you don't have to be negative. Like it's not, that's not necessary either. You don't have to come off as negative or or that you don't care. I mean, I still like to throw little things in there. I mean, cause at times, I mean, hell you'll have people that are in a good groove that they don't change anything for a month or, or whatever, you know? So I'm not just going to say if everything looks good. I'm not just going to say looks good and send it. But there's, <laughs> there are updates like that. I've no joke. Like I know that that happens because I've seen them and I've heard, <laughs> heard about them. It's yeah. like, looks good, looks good. And that's it. And that's like a whole week. It's worth the feedback. Joe, I used to say like, oh yeah, this is, a, you know, this is the product of having too many clients. But like, for example, I know the, the muscle mentors guys, I know Callum in particular has a lot of clients that he works with, but their feedback, I've seen some of it and it's awesome. Yeah. I'm like, wow, this is brilliant. Like they do YouTube videos for every client and they're like 20 minutes long. These guys must be working around the clock. So I don't think you can blame it on that. Actually. It's just laziness at the end of the day. Yeah. You, you have to, you have to give them something and yeah, I mean, I always give people something and just uh, something to go on for the next week and or next whatever amount of times days. But, but yeah, <laughs> some of the ones I'm just like, eh. but like we talked about, we've talked about in the past at, at some point, I don't, I can't really fault anyone because if they're paying people for that, that's their own fault. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I certainly wouldn't like, even if I didn't know ignorance though, I think maybe they don't really know what, what the country do or I guess. But I mean, like, even if I didn't know jack shit about coaching, I feel like if that's all I got, if, if I knew what I was paying and that's all I got, I feel like my return on investment was just be not worth it. Now, now I guess if I was getting like huge and shredded and whatever, I suppose maybe that, maybe that would change my mind a little bit. Um, cause you do get that argument too. Well, I'm getting the results. So I don't, I don't care about, you know, what the feedback or whatever, but those, you know, nine times out of 10, like, I feel like those relationships still don't last though. Just because, just because you're getting results doesn't mean that it's necessarily the right term long plan. Like we talked about, sometimes you have to take a step back. Sometimes mm-hmm. you, like those things, those things get overlooked. If you're not um, interactive with your feedback, those things will get, and sometimes I'll, even if those, those weeks that nothing changed, I'll be like, Hey, keep an eye out on this this week. I want you to get some extra couple extra blood glucose readings or something just because I want to keep an eye on something. I mean, that's, I didn't change anything in the plan, but I gave them some, 
some homework, I guess. Mm -hmm. And yeah, anything like that. I mean, all that stuff is important and it adds up, makes for a better relationship and it makes for a better long-term result. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to change the subject a bit here because I want your opinion on something. Okay. Um, the first ever IFBB natural show. What do you think? Oh, I heard about it, I think. I think they were talking about it on, oh shit, what was it? I, I swear I heard it somewhere, but they were, they were talking about how rigorous the, the drug testing was going to be like, are they going to use WADA standards mm. and test everyone? Or I don't know how it's going to go exactly. I guess that would, I don't know. I'll have to see. Yeah. Be interesting for sure. I mean, like, obviously I'm pretty skeptical from the get go, but it would be cool if the people competing in it were actually natural. Um, although, unfortunately, I doubt that will be the case. Um, I don't think drug testing is still at a standard that is unable for even somebody with very basic biochemistry knowledge to be able to pass. Um, people do it all the time. I mean, I'm sure you've had those consults from people. I'm a natural competitor, but I use, da -da 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 -da, you know? Yeah, I've had a few of them. They refuse to work with people that are doing that. It really winds me up that people do that. Um, or I bet you've had people contact you say, I want to know how to pass this test. Yeah. Yeah, I get that quite a lot over here for some reason. Um, I don't get it a lot, I, but I've definitely. I've definitely had it before. I've never done it, obviously. I don't know how to. <laughs> but um, hey, here's another one. I was talking to AJ. You know AJ Morris. Um, yeah. Um, I was talking to AJ. Did you know that um, Yahimbean is actually um, not on the banned list for natural no. competition? It's not. Nope. It's uh, Which is interesting because it's not on the WADA list, I don't think. And but it's actually banned in certain countries like you guys it's banned there canada us it's not i have no idea why but um yeah that's bizarre so that's another thing too is like since it's world anti-doping um you have different like there's things on the wada list that aren't banned to buy over the counter and then there's things that are banned over the counter that aren't on the wada list yeah so, you know, it's like people, yeah, yeah, it's kind it's of a, crazy. Like you can use, you can use gear over here, but you can't use your hand. Yeah. It, it gets messy when you talk about the water list. Like you really got to be familiar with what's on it. If you're getting tested to those standards and uh, make sure that, make sure that you're not doing anything and that, well, if they're going to use, and then urinalysis versus polygraph, that's a whole different story too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Polygraph is so flawed. It's, it's unbelievable. I'm surprised that they still use that as any, any form of testing. Um, some of the, uh, some of the shows, like some of the really diehard federations over here, they'll use both. Like they'll, they'll polygraph, um, they'll polygraph everyone and then they'll, and they'll urine test the winners or something, you know, something like that. Um, but 
confusing to me the human being thing because like is like because you, you, you hear the term drug-free bodybuilding thrown around sorry for that noise and um, you hear the term drug-free bodybuilding thrown around but is the definition of drug not like a, a, a molecule or a substance that causes some kind of physiological change in the body well your him being does exactly that you know we're talking about mobilizing fatty acid you know if they're going to allow your him being can't we allow growth hormone or can't we allow what mobilizes fat from from the uh, sort of opposing receptor instead of the sort of um alpha receptor we could look at it is clenbuterol okay because that's uh doing a similar yeah. in all those completely different mechanism of action onto on on, the, on a different receptor and then it's so subjective. So now whose job is it to decide what's natural and what isn't? You know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know who comes up with the rules. I mean, but the, but the rules are the rules once they're there. So, mm. I mean, at least it's, I mean, I guess at least it's the same level play. I, I hate to use that word level playing field, uh, those words. But yeah, I mean, at least it's the same testing for everyone. Um, I don't know. It's hard. Like you just have to like, luckily most of the people I work with, um, besides the like occasional person, they're honest. Like they're, they're good moral people. Like they, if they compete in a natural federation, they don't, they're natural. And that's that. Like I normally don't have to, to worry about it. And, and they, I like, I've get asked sometimes, well, what if I, compete against other people that are cheating. I'm like, well, you know, it is what it is. I like, can't do anything about it. Mm. Just gotta, you just gotta worry about yourself. And that's, that's like, that's like me saying, well, what if I compete against someone that has better genetics than me? Well, yeah. Yeah. you know, well, I'd be shit out of luck. So yeah, I mean, that's the whole, the whole idea of bodybuilding is so, it's, it's even more like in sports, there's the huge genetic component, like natural athletic ability, speed, strength, all those things. But in bodybuilding, I feel like it's even more so because the, the response, genetic response to every different stimulus is so varied that you're immediately, everyone is immediately on a different playing field right from the start. It doesn't matter what you eat, what you take, what you train, you're all on such a different playing field, like regardless. So talking of yeah. genetics, have you seen I'm just throwing random topics all over the place here. Um I apologize. Um have you seen Arnold Schwarzenegger's son has began his journey into bodybuilding and has uploaded some of his first physique photos to his instagram page have you seen them i haven't seen them does he look good uh well he's a novice trainee he's not particularly muscular he does share some of the same sort of insertions and shape as his as his dad but it, at this stage it's really, you know it's got thousands of comments like you're the next arnold blah 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 you know, yeah. don't know. i think well we know we get most of our um, physique-related and, and androgen receptor-specific genetics from our mother, so he might be shit out of luck there. But um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Anyway, um, just to see one of Arnold's offspring, you know, Arnold being known for having the greatest genetics ever in bodybuilding, which I probably wouldn't agree with. Um, but, um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Who do you think has the best genetics you've ever seen in bodybuilding? <laughs> 
Now, what are, are we talking about? Just genetic response to everything, like muscle no, building. Muscle. In terms of like flow insertions. Ah, uh, okay. Um, are we talking about like with loaded up with oil or no oil? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, because because I mean, because I mean, you could you could make an argument for someone like Flex Flex Wheeler, but there's a lot of Nolatil in there or whatever the fuck they use. It can't have been Nolatil. It's still bloody in there. His arms look bizarre now. Oh yeah, well yeah. Plus, who knows how much scar tissue and shit. Yeah. Um, but oh man. I don't know. Um, let me think. Thinking of somebody now. Uh, man, oh, that's hard. There's so many that come to mind. Like it would probably be, it would probably be someone that's like five ten or taller. Okay. Yeah. Because that tends to be like a lot of the, maybe maybe five nine. I don't know. A lot of those guys tend to have like the really structurally um, good physiques tend to be just a slight bit taller. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess it depends on, I guess it depends on what you like too. Like I would, I think somebody like, and he doesn't have the best genetics, definitely not the best genetic flow ever, but like I would love like somebody like a Dennis Wolf physique. Like I think that's awesome. Mm. But I love you know, that his nuts are so high set, but they're so wide. Yeah, but you know, if you want to talk about just flow, like Flex Wheeler's, his flow was better than Dennis Wolf. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah, I mean overall, but it's just my bias. Um, yeah, Flex would definitely be up there. Oh God, there's so many though. I mean, there's so many, and that like most of the people, if you ask this question, they're going to give you some '80s bodybuilder like. Probably Francis Benfato or somebody like that. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like they're gonna or they're gonna say Bob Paris or something. I mean, like, yeah, I mean those guys. Those guys don't have like half the muscle mass that a lot of the newer guys have. Mm. So, I guess I guess it just depends because yeah, normally if if you ask somebody that question, you're gonna get an answer from probably before 1990. I feel like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe Kevin Lavroni in his last couple of years at the Olympia. I, think. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't, I would say no though, because I thought his, I thought like his shoulders and arms and stuff could have been bigger, like more width mm -hmm. and his back could have been like, but that's just my bias. Like I like that super wide, crazy bellowing shoulder structure that's yeah. just what i like so yeah i mean everyone's gonna have everyone's gonna have a different opinion it's interesting that you, say you like that because in my head that's kind of what what you're like that is what i'm like yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. so i mean maybe that i don't know maybe that's why i like it but yeah, uh the there they're um I guess a, a better question would be who do you think like the freakiest bodybuilder of all time is? I think that's a, that's a more entertaining question. The freakiest. To be, to be honest. 
like the truly freakiest is probably Marcus Rule. Um, what's that? Yeah, he comes out. He just looks like a fridge with arms. Yeah, there's a couple. He's he's right up there, top three. There's like a couple guys I can think of that are. Yeah, um, he's the guy that always comes to mind first. Somebody like uh, who am I thinking of? I saw a picture of Art Atwood the other day. Oh, you know yeah. how fucking gigantic he was. Mm-hmm. It was he was he was similar to Rule in certain features, but had a lot better back. Um, but his you know his shoulders and stuff weren't as freaky. Like what always gets me is like when. <laughs> When Rule, like that 2002 Night of Champions video, when he hits the side chest and his peck is like in his mouth. Yeah, and that's what I'm talking about. And he walks out kind of in yeah. like, a, like he's stuck in a most muscular. Yeah, like he can't, yeah. like he can't even, he can't even move. He's yeah. so, his, his width and his delts and his pecs and everything are just so gigantic that he can't even, his range of motion is terrible. You, I saw. Uh, I don't remember who the hell it was. They said, "You're not, you're not a true freak unless you're pretty much disabled." <laughs> <laughs> I just see JP the other day saying like he really struggles to wipe his own ass. I was like, "Oh no, hope I never get there." I'm sure he does. I mean, he's only like five six. He's short. His arms are already short to begin with. You see the recent physique photo that he put up. He hasn't put one up in months. I was just like, my jaw like, hit the floor. I was like, what? Never seen JP like that. Yeah, he, and he looks like his body composition's a lot better. He um, fucking show lean. And he, do you know, he looks leaner than, yeah. than when he won the, um, was it the Worlds? The, that's what, that that's one of the first things that came to mind. I'm like, man, he looks as lean or leaner than before. And maybe that's, but everyone knows, and he's got to know by now, that's what he needs to do to, to get to that next step. Like that's literally the only thing that's held him back. Yeah. He's got all the mass in the world. The thing was at the big man show, he just looked a a little bit smooth and his posing was like very like, like he was kind of stuck. He didn't have that grainy look about him, but in that photo, like I know it's just a but truly he looked like he could do some serious damage. I mean, I, I could see him getting that pro card, like no problem with a physique like that. Oh yeah, he should. And he should have already gotten the damn thing already. It's just, yeah. like I said, it's just a matter of being conditioned enough. I mean, that was, that was the only thing that's, that's held him back for at least the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> the Marcus rule, Marcus Rule's got to be right up there. I don't know. What about currently, though? I mean, they're like currently, there's a couple guys that are pretty, pretty insane. Um, who looks like a freak currently? Luke Sando. Oh, I, yeah, see, have you seen him in person? Yep. Okay. Well, even that more makes impressive in person. Huge impression. Yeah. Ridiculous. That makes a difference, but I because there's a couple of people I've seen in person that that versus photos, and I just was floored. Like Rolly Winkler in person's like fucking you can't he's a you can't even believe it's real. 
No, I had that with when I when I saw Dallas at Body Power. I was just looking yep. at his bicep like, God, that is like, <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't, I can't even describe it. It was like, but I remember thinking about it for ages afterwards. Like, I just like I couldn't come to terms with the size. It was just, uh, Justin Compton was the same way when he was kind of at his at his peak, like. And he had good insertions and good flow. Like he was just his the, the arms and delts were just wild. On the flip like, side, have you ever like met a bodybuilder in person that you've been like a bit like disappointed? Not disappointed, but like shocked at how normal they look. Uh yeah, well, I think like some people in clothes versus on stage, that type of thing, you know. Some people just don't they just don't look that crazy when they're covered up and others do that's yeah. I mean, somebody like somebody like Dexter Jackson in clothes, isn't that crazy to look at. Mm. I mean, if he's, if he's got a t-shirt on now, if he has a tank top on maybe a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, I've met, I've seen a few guys like that um, that are like, Oh, well, you're not quite what I expected. Actually, in some people, when they pose, you know, when they pose, they just really, they look like a whole new person. I would say Kai Green's like that. Yeah. Because um, I saw him in a tank top, and he's huge. I mean, he's huge. But I saw him pose. I saw him at the Arnold Classic that last year he did it. And when he hits the poses and just the, just the way he's built and the amount of muscle in certain places, I'm like, holy shit. Like, he was just freaky looking. And... um. But yeah, but just standing there in a, at the expo in a tank top, it's like, oh, you know, he's not. Because you have big Rami over there who's like fucking 14 feet wide and wearing one of those like, like 5X jerseys. <laughs> and yeah, I met, I remember I met him when he was sponsored by Gat. We got to go in the uh, little Gat booth. Jarek actually knew a few of the people in there and, uh, we got to go in there and I got to, well, kind of talk to him because he didn't speak English. This was like 2012. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this, his, his structure, that's gotta be probably the biggest structure that I've seen on anyone in person. Yeah, it was wild. I did see somebody post a photo of, of big Rami before he actually started lifting and he was, he was huge anyway. Yeah, he weighed. He was like, like two hundred and twenty pounds and muscular. Yeah, bizarre. <laughs> How does that? Happen? I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish, wish I could have a little bit of what, what he has and whatever's in his genes. I wish I had it. Yeah, or whatever in his blood. Now I'd have some of that as well. well yeah, <laughs> the mystery. All of the. Uh, all of the myostatin inhibitors that they have over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a little bit of truth in that because I know like I've read some of the like early papers on some of these early myostatin inhibitors that just aren't quite there yet. I wonder. I, I wonder if if there is one that that is somewhat there. You know, I I had an interesting thing. I talked to a, a guy that worked for a research chemical company and they 
I mean, he's a big guy. He's been doing it for a long time. And he told me, and they start first putting out the folostatin, you know, that they, they sell on like all the research sites they had. There's like a folostatin with tag and without tag. There's two different versions. And I think all the ones now have the tag version. I think I, I could be wrong, but <laughs> he said when they, they were the first company to put it out. And when they put it out, he took it. And he said he literally transformed in a month, like nothing he'd ever seen in his entire life. And they, and they changed the formula, something, some kind of regulation, they had to change the formula. And since then, everything that was put out was, you know, didn't really do anything. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, that's interesting. Makes you wonder if, you know, it just makes you wonder if it's like a matter of manufacturing or, or something. Um, but, or kind of like the whole IGF thing. Well, it's not, you know, of course they're not putting real IGF in Curlex in a bottle for $70 or whatever. Yeah. Or if it has IGF in it, it doesn't have any of the relative binding proteins. Right. <laughs> yeah, these are super physiological. Yeah. 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 Anyway, man, we've, We've uh, we've rambled on quite a bit here. Cool little uh, mix of topics in here. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. As uh, like I said, the analytics seem to say so. Um, I'm gonna get off and eat my last meal, wind down, put a candle on, relax, get ready for bed because I'm in a I'm in a roll with my sleep at the minute. So I'm gonna. I've already got the blue light blockers on. The ashwagandha has been taken. So. I'll, I'll Enjoy. Yeah, yeah. What well, it's quite early for you still, isn't it? What is it like? Five o'clock, four o'clock. Yeah. Four, four sixteen. Mm. So, have you trained today? No, today I trained yesterday. Today was an off day, and then I have training tomorrow. Yeah, yesterday was my uh, my extreme cold barn gym session. It was so you guys are in Celsius, so it was I'm trying to think what the actual temperature was yeah, there. cold over here at the minute. It took me ages to de-ice my car this morning. I mean, when I got in my car, it said minus six on the dash. I don't think that's, I don't think it was quite that cold. Um, I can tell you it was, uh, because we have the, we have wind chills. So they, you have a regular temperature than the wind chill. With the wind chill, it was minus 37 <laughs> Celsius. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think I've ever so, been in a condition that cold. That is ridiculous. Without without the wind chill, it was about minus twenty three Celsius. Oh my god! Did your hands stick to the bar? Well, I I had to go over to the the store. There's like a little store local, and uh, normally what I do is I have I have a little space heater out there, but my barn is so big that like a lot of the heat escapes through the top, you know. And the mm. barn's old, like there's it's leaky, it's not insulated, so. Um, I normally go out when it's super cold and I put my barbell and stuff like in front of the heater while it heats up. And I did that. And, but within 10 minutes, the bar was freezing cold again. And all I could, it was all I could do to hold on to it through a whole set with a pair of gloves on. Cause the bar felt like it was burning my hands. Oh, it was so, it was so cold. I, I sat on my leg press and I had, four layers of clothes on and I could feel the pad freezing 
just behind my back with four layers of clothes on. <laughs> I was like, right. I was like, holy what, shit! It's squatting. <laughs> What's that? Did you squat in them with the bar on your back? Yeah, I, I squatted yeah. yesterday. I did legs. <laughs> Man. Uh, I had to warm up. I was doing like, uh, I was I was like skipping back and forth and doing jumping jacks, like to get my muscles warm. Hey, it's good for the knee. You actually, <laughs> I remember reading a study actually where people under cold exposure. Um, had a higher BMR, so. Oh, so I was out there. Yeah, I'll shiver the fat off. Yeah, well, it's probably something to do with having to expend energy to regulate internal body temperature, I suppose. Body temperature. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if it's cold enough, then your body temperature, just like the cryogenic therapy and stuff, they say that increases your metabolism, which, I mean, maybe it does to a small extent. Mm. So, yeah. Okay, well, I'll let you go. Um, Hopefully tomorrow, I think it's actually not going to be 25 below zero. So I should be able to train comfortably, comfortably. Hey, man, we're coaches. We just stay in our house with the heating on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get your little uh, under the desk neat machine out and then you don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pedaling. That's what I've been doing. Just pedaling, man. You get one. So it doesn't have to go. Yeah. This one was, uh, this one was only like $40 American. Yeah. They're cheap, man. They're cheap. And they're yeah. awesome as well. You know? Yeah. I, I, well, I'll put it this way. I have, I haven't added any formal cardio in yet and I've changed my food and I'm still eating a decent amount. I mean, I got a lot of time. I got 15, 15 weeks, still a good amount of time, but I would normally be doing more. Um, so I, I truthfully think that my, my knee is definitely helping. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Well, of course it is just more expenditure in it. And when you start at your yeah. computer, like doing check-ins or something, or even not playing a game, time would just fly. Wouldn't it? You know? Oh, it's easy. Yeah. I last, like Jarek and I watched a, a, like a short television show last night, like 30 minutes and, I just, I just pedaled and I got the rest of my knee. And I mean, that adds up. I can get, I'm sure. I mean, I'd rather sit there and pedal on that damn thing for like five hours in the day than sit on my fucking stationary bike. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I am. Um, you know your client, Chris Arms. Yeah, Chris. We actually like. Um, there was this old game online that I used to play with my cousin. And Chris was like, but Chris was like playing it with my cousin. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I'm sure I know. So like, and I messaged my cousin like, are you on that game with like a guy called Chris Harms? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Chris. I was like, what? <laughs> this is bizarre. But I was just, it on Xbox or something? No, on, on, on the computer. Online. Online. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yo, if I had to do cardio, I'll just get the little pedal under uh, the death pedal thing. Just play that game all day. Just link up on there with, with, with Chris. <laughs> Maybe that's what Lyle does all day. So he stays so thin. Lyle, yeah. I think he trains once a year to get <laughs> funny videos. He put a video up on how to get the dumbbells in place the other day. And I think he wrote like my annual gym trip on there. My 
annual gym trip. Oh, God. So does he get – he must get newbie gains every single time. That's the secret. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Just I'm take done. loads of gear all year so you get mad satellite cell-like proliferation. And they're just going to train for a week. Boom. Yeah. Just do one push-pull legs rotation and come back next year. Yeah. That's the plan. Definitely too late now because I'm talking nonsense. So, um, yep. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, We'll have Josh Bridgman on next time. In the meantime, check him out on uh, YouTube. He was a brilliant natural bodybuilder that uh, decided to go the enhanced route and he's documented the whole thing via YouTube, social media stuff. And I found it really interesting because he's a very intelligent, um, observational and objective person. So for any novice um, steroid users out there that want to see what it's like to blast for the first time, this is a really good route. And we're going to be asking Josh sort of stuff along those lines. So yeah, that's going to be a really cool episode. So that's the next one guys. So yeah, thanks for listening and I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Sweet.